Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, October 11th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a Mississippi physician responds to the recent spell of rural hospitals closing units and limiting services, or rather limiting services. Then we examine how a recent policy change could affect those who require hearing aids, plus a proclamation of reconciliation. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Medical services for women and infants in Mississippi's Delta are going to be harder to come by. Last week, Greenwood LaFleur Hospital announced it's closing its labor and delivery services Saturday, and a Greenville hospital closed its neonatal intensive care unit in July. This is part of a recent spell of rural hospitals closing or limiting services due to financial strain. Pediatrician Dr. Jean Godet says it's an indication solutions like Medicaid expansion should be considered. He shares more with us on the challenges rural hospitals face and the impact it has on the community. I mean, it's, it's a tough business to begin with, but they, they require patients with a variety of different types of insurances, funding streams, and so forth, in order to create the revenue that's necessary to, to run the hospital. And when you have a large number of people who are uninsured in an area, the hospital, by virtue of federal law, is obligated to render at least emergency care to everyone, regardless of their ability to pay. So the larger percentage of patients who are uh, not paying for their care, uh, the harder it is for the hospital to generate enough revenue in order to continue going. And so these rural hospitals are really at risk for uh, either closure or maybe closure of certain uh, services that they would otherwise provide that Mississippians need. Greenwood LaFleur announced that it's closing its labor and delivery unit along with some other clinics. There's also another hospital in the Delta that uh, is closing its NICU. And we are in a situation where the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. So there's going to be more births. What do you see coming out of this? Because now we have two hospitals that won't be able to provide the services in the Delta that 
women are going to be looking to get? This is this is a bad news for Mississippians. Um, if you are late in your pregnancy and you live uh, two hours away from uh, your delivery hospital, um, it is more likely that you're going to have a complication uh, if you have that long of a drive. And it's also more likely that uh, you may wind up having to have a cesarean section if you're uh, from very far away. Uh, and a successful, healthy pregnancy and a successful, healthy delivery all depends on access to uh, affordable health care. Um, having a baby is a potentially very complicated uh, event, and there's a lot of moving parts going on, so to speak. Uh, there's the hazards to the left and to the right, uh, and women are doing everything they can in order to try to stay healthy. And But that needs to also involve going to the doctor and and uh, it's had a previous cesarean section. You know, you need to have access to a, a, a physician who can do a repeat cesarean section if you need it. Uh, and then also for preventative care, to get your blood sugar checked, to get your blood pressure checked. Um, your physician at your prenatal visits can detect problems maybe even before you do. And all of these things can help make that pregnancy healthier. So these hospital closures and unit closures, um, we are going in the wrong direction and a change needs to be made. And I'm thinking in the Delta, it's spread out and transportation is an issue, especially for low-income families. So even getting to a nearby hospital might be an issue. The, the Getting to one that's further out may be even more complicated, I would think. Is that the case? Yeah, it was already, uh, you know, there is a maldistribution of health care in Mississippi. It tends to be concentrated in the larger urban centers. Um, and it's just very difficult to have a physician or a clinic or a hospital located in um, a very small town because the because of the percentage of patients who may be uninsured. And the uh, you've got to be able to support you know, your staff and your computer and the rental office space and all of that. So as those uh, small-town, small-community healthcare facilities are drying up, then you've really got no other option other than to drive to the next biggest city. And, you know, depending on where you live, that could be 60 uh, miles. It could be an hour or more away. And that's just unacceptable if you're in an emergency. At this point... How do we turn this around? Well, I think there's so many discussions going on regarding health care right now uh, that have been going on for a while that have become more intensified lately. Uh, and one of them is uh, through expanding uh, the number of Mississippian citizens who are eligible for Medicaid to include uh, adults up to 138% of the federal poverty line. Uh, there's a lot of people who have jobs, multiple jobs even, that just don't provide health care. These are people who are working hard and who are doing the best they can to take care of their families, but they don't have access to health care coverage. So they're relegated to using the emergency room when things get to a point where you can't get the preventative care. You know, if you if you don't get your blood pressure checked, or 
you're more likely to have complications later on, like heart disease or or, or strokes. And so, by prevention, we, prevention is cheaper than treatment. So if we can get these patients into the doctor's office and get them healthcare coverage on the front end, uh, it will lower the costs of care, uh, and and that will also help these rural hospitals. Uh, if, in order to be able to, uh, the patients that come through the door will have coverage so they're not just delivering the care for free. And then hopefully they'll be able to attract doctors and nurses to come and work for them. And it'll strengthen the healthcare system in these rural areas. And the, the other thing is postpartum extension. Uh, the, uh, for instance, if a woman has a baby and then has a complication later on, uh, let's say a blood clot of some kind or or um, an infection, blood pressure issues. That's going to make it, she's in a very vulnerable period after having just had a, having had a baby. And if she doesn't have any coverage, most people are not going to voluntarily go into medical debt unless it's uh, unbearably urgent. So postpartum uh, coverage for women at least 12 months after having a baby will help make these birthing units and uh, the women uh, women's care centers at rural hospitals at least be able to have an additional form of revenue, and that can help support uh, the, the inpatient side and the, and the deliveries and the NICU, that sort of thing. Will you be advocating, a part of advocating for this in January when legislators return to the Capitol? Yes. Physicians all across our state have been talking in increasing numbers over the past several years uh, about uh, expansion of Medicaid to include more individuals down to 100, uh, you know, up to 138 percent of the federal poverty limit. And the more that we're talking about it, the more the voices we hear coming out in support of this. People from all across the state, business leaders, healthcare leaders, faith leaders, you name it, from all walks of life, people are beginning to realize that we have a real crisis in our state and that we need to focus on these issues in order to make our state healthier and, as a result, more prosperous. Dr. John Godet, thank you so much for speaking with us about this important issue. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Coming up, we examine how a recent policy change could affect those who require hearing aids. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A rule change by the Food and Drug Administration is making it possible for millions of Americans to access hearing aids. Almost 16 percent of Mississippians suffer from hearing loss. The cost of hearing aids ranges from $1,000 to $6,000 an ear, which are not 
covered by Medicare nor most private insurance. But the policy change by the FDA allows for the purchase of the devices over the counter without a prescription, which could drive those costs down. Dr. Nicole Rayburn is an audiologist with the Jackson Ear Clinic, and she tells our Rhonda Dunaway this new rule could help Mississippians living with hearing loss. It's huge in, in, in cognitive function. I mean, just in people not withdrawing. I see so many people who are like, well, I haven't been to church in six months or a year because I can't hear what the preacher says, or it's frustrating in Sunday school, so I quit going. And then, you know, like all they're doing is sitting at home. Well, if I can just get them back to church so they can have a little social outing, that, you know, not only does it improve their quality of life, but as I see them for follow-up appointments, I notice that, like, their demeanor is different. And it's just a very, it's a positive thing, but yes, it is is definitely related to cognition and um, and memory. Just I mean, well being, having I guess. that awareness, yeah. And so, if someone, you know, they have, um, is it personal sound amplification products? Is that the product that people with mild to moderate hearing are going to be looking at if they're getting over the counter hearing aids or or hearables? What are those personal sound amplification products and hearables? So the personal sound amplification products, that is basically an amplifier. So it's not programmable. It's not um, basically you are amplifying sound. So whether it's through we, um, we do have what's called a pocket talker where a person would wear headphones and then have a little handheld piece with a microphone on it that they can pass to people that they're talking to to pick up their sound, and it goes through the headphones amplified. So, again, it's just making everything louder. It's not necessarily picking speech, background noise, filtering anything. Um, But that does help. It helps a lot of people, especially people who maybe are not in as many varied listening environments. If someone is just, you know, at home with a couple of visitors a day Mm -hmm. or um, just in a more like basic sound environment where they maybe don't want to handle a lot of technology or can't necessarily handle a lot of technology. Um, That is a a very viable solution. Um, But again, it's, it's limited because you are only as close as you can be with the headphone cord. Mm-hmm. Okay. So hearables, are those, the, is that the same thing? Hearables, those are like AirPods. You can stream things. They track things. They can, um, they provide some type of either noise attenuation or volume increase. But it's not, again, not programmable, just like, oh, a certain decibel level is what it will allow you to to go up. So would you suggest that people that, you know, like I said, may have mild to moderate, possibly suspect they may have hearing loss. um, Do you suggest that they uh, come and see an audiologist or should they wait until, you know, a certain point? that, you know, they where they're definitely, where they know for sure they're having some hearing loss. When is a, when is a smart point 
that they should come and see an audiologist. Is it the first time they start hearing those clicking noises in their ear, or is that associated with, with hearing loss or not? That is that's, That can be associated with hearing loss. I would... Um, I mean, that can also, it could also be a side effect of certain medications. Sometimes that, I mean, different blood pressure medicines, many, tinnitus is a side effect for a lot of medicines, just like dizziness is or nausea, you know, things like that. So um, it could be a medication side effect, but more than likely it's related to hearing loss. And I would recommend as, as soon as you start to notice a difference in your hearing, again, whether it's. I'm frustrated when we go to lunch with friends because I can only hear the person that's right next to me. I can't hear the group conversation or I keep having to ask so-and-so to repeat themselves. I've decided I'm going to quit. You know, you like once people start withdrawing and realizing that they don't want to do things because it's just too frustrating to ask people to repeat themselves, Mm -hmm. that's when I would suggest seeking audiological services is at least, at least getting a hearing test the second that you notice something is off. Whether it's, you know, you come in, you get a hearing test, and it's like, okay, well, your hearing your hearing is normal or you have, a you know, a very normal to a mild hearing loss. At that point, you at least have documentation and a time stamp of, okay, this is what my hearing looked like then. Check it every year or every other year sooner if you notice a change but that way um, you at least kind of have a baseline. Dr. Nicole Rayburn is an audiologist with the Jackson Ear Clinic. Coming up, a proclamation of reconciliation. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. This October is Living Reconciled Celebration Month in Mississippi. Governor Tate Reeves issued the proclamation, which encourages citizens to educate themselves on racial history and seek a Christ-centered path to racial healing. Reeves' office hasn't issued any public statement regarding the proclamation or its intent, but Nettie Winters of Mission Mississippi tells us it's an opportunity to open dialogues with individuals who don't look like you. We're telling people, we're asking people to live out the reconciliation that we have in Christ Jesus. So during the month of October, we're asking people to go deeper, find someone different from you, a different race from you, and uh, establish a, a relationship with them or go deep in a relationship or the existing relationship by having lunch, dinner, uh, roundtable discussions on uh, um, deeper topics and things that will uh, deepen the relationship and deeper the understanding, the insight of why we have the division and things that we have within the races. That calls for some um, risk-taking, so to speak. Why should people open themselves up to that? You know, 
we're challenging Christians. It's not as though we're challenging the general public to do it. We're challenging people that say they love Jesus. We're asking them to follow his command, his example, his model, to love people uh, like he loved us, to express uh, grace and love and forgiveness to others as we have received from him. And so you're right. It is a risk taken. Has the governor made a public announcement about this at all that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, this is this is typical of what they do with proclamations. Uh, it'd be a rarity if the government would have a, a press conference or, or say things like that, that. You know, they agree with us and and and, and uh, the proclamation they sign off on it. You know, each month somebody's having a proclamation done by the governor. Uh, we think this one is unique in, in terms of the ones that have been because this is one proclamation that brings people together and not divide them over controversial or controversial issues or topics. Are there any other organizations that have signed on to help with this? Because you could be in an office setting where you could live where you only see people that look like you. You could work in an office where you only see people that look like you. So how can this be facilitated? Because those are the places where people spend most of their time. That's why we're asking people to, to go deeper and, and do an intentional thing to connect with someone different from them. Go outside of your office space, outside of your church. Uh, there are neighbors and others that we rarely uh, connect with. And so during the month of October, we ask people to be intentional about connecting with folks that you don't normally or typically connect with. You know, live out your Christianity, uh, whether you're in a workplace or, or in your uh, church or in your family, whatever else. Uh, as you say, take a risk. You know, step outside of the, the typical boundaries of tradition and let your Christianity overcome your culture, your color, your class, uh, customs, and all of those things. We're asking people to go beyond that. Well, how do you do that if you are in one of those situations where you only see and run into people and have conversations of any consequence with people that look like you? How do you cross it's over? Gotta be, it's got to be an intentional effort. You know, you don't have to go far outside of your typical workplace or a typical setting to see that there are people in the malls and stores and churches and others that are different from you. We've had people to leave their congregation, which is all white, all black, and go attend another congregation that is either mixed or predominantly different from them. So it's an intentionality thing to do it. Uh, and so we're asking people to connect, to do that. And, uh, you know, it's not a, a difficult thing. Uh, the difficult comes, will I be, am I willing to uh, intentionally connect with someone different from me and start a conversation or, or see whether or not I can build and cultivate a relationship? You know, one of the things that Michigan, Mississippi is, is noted for is connecting people, cultivating relationships, and changing lives. It's interesting to me when people take a risk of, stepping outside of their comfort zone and connect with other folks, and they find out how much they have in common uh, and begin to realize that uh, people need each other and that uh, together we can be better in terms of transforming communities and making things happen in a positive way. Are you holding any events over the month to help orchestrate this? We've asked our uh, participants and ones across the state that are participating in Michigan, Mississippi, to we suggested to them. We're not we're not uh, from the headquarters here in Jackson. 
we have been invited to speak and, and do dialogue and do other things across the state. However, we are encouraging people that have participated in Mission Mississippi in the past and so they believe in, in, in call cultural relationship to go out and do this. So we encourage the proclamation is simply to encourage people to do something different from what they've done in the past, to start a relationship, connect with somebody, cultivate a relationship, and see how it affects our lives in a positive way. Since you said you've done this in the past, what have you seen come from it that you can point to? You know, I can point to uh, many instances where uh, there are families now that are uh, uh, have taken initiative to connect with families different from theirs, and now those families are, uh, without going into Pacific, those families now are friends and, and uh, connecting with one another and living out the reconciliation which we have in the body of Christ. We have churches that have... Uh, have uh, made an intentionality to integrate their churches, to um, partner with other churches and other uh, opportunities they have to do ministry uh, uh, through their connection and through their relationship established by Mission Mississippi, uh, through Mission Mississippi events and activities. Nettie Winters, president of Mission Mississippi, thank you so much for speaking with us about this proclamation. Thank you, and God bless. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.